This is Mike Taylor, and you're listening to the Fulham Focus podcast. Focus podcast. My name is Matt Boisclair and the Whites notched up an excellent three points at the city ground this evening to keep our slim automatic promotion chances alive whilst getting one over on a Nottingham Forest side. We may have to play again in the playoffs one way or another in the not too distant future. Joining me to go through it, firstly is a man who not so long ago looked like a post-lockdown Tim Ream minus the Alice band, but following a tidy up today is now more Tim Vine than Tim Ream. It's Morgan Cowson. Good evening, mate. Hello, mate. Good. Also joining me is an American sports fan who point blank refuses to get his barnet chopped until the return of the baseball season. The longer that stays away, the better. And I, for one, would be delighted to see a proper hippie-style baldo. It's Matt Baldwin. Good evening, mate. Evening, Frenchie. I was looking forward to that. You've served that up well. Very good. Come on, then. Let's go through it. Fulham. So the team was very much changed around from Saturday's snooze fest, thank God. Cyrus Christie was out and Dennis Adoy moved to right back and Joe Bryan returned to the lineup at left back. Tom Kearney was injured, so Josh Onoma was in, as was Cabano for Anthony Knockart. Morgs, talk me through the formation. Was it a 4-3-3? Well, I think when you look at the team, yes. I think we were trying to work out how the front three were going to work out. I think it worked out in the sense that you had, obviously, four at the back with Adoy right back, the midfield of Arthur and Reed anchoring with Onoma playing just ahead and then Bobby Ducandova playing up front and then Cavallero and Cabano on the right and left flanks respectively. But you tend to, you got quite a bit of Ducandova Reed going out to the right and Cavallero going up. So it was kind of a little bit hard to work out times, but it seemed fairly fluid. And yeah, it just it was from looking at the team without Kearney, it looked pretty solid, I thought. Baldo, Niskins Cabano, he's been around this squad for quite some time now, kind of a bit part player for a long time, and now he's back involved, just as we're going into a really crucial part of the season. I thought the team had a, had a good first half and the tempo was excellent, but every time it got near Cabano, very little seemed to happen creatively. Do you think that's harsh or is that fair? I think it's a mixture between harsh and fair. I think the way that we set up and the way the whole team played was very good. But as I mentioned a few times on the chat, we were playing the ball out wide and we were doing quite well. And Eastkins Cabano was doing quite well. But then we tried to whip the ball into the box and there was nobody there. So I think maybe that sort of hampered hampered our style because Bobby Reed isn't going to be winning many headers, you know, Mitrovic style. So when the ball would come out to Cabano and Carvalho as well on the other flank, they weren't really left with that much to do because there wasn't a lot that they could do because there wasn't really a target man in the box. So I think it all started off very well, but the end product was just lacking a little bit. To some extent it worked well, but to some extent there was still just a little bit missing. So are you then saying that we've been crying out all season to get somebody on the wing who can put a cross in because we've had Knockart and Cavalero cut inside and shoot, and the time we decide to put in somebody who can cross is the time when Mitrovic is out and we've got little Bobby Reed in there. He's never going to win anything in the air. Absolutely. It's Sod's Law. And you saw it in, I think it was the very much the first attack that we uh, that we had. It was down the right-hand side. Dennis Doy plays the ball and 
even Caviar tries to whip the ball in, but it gets blocked for a corner. But when he puts the ball in, there's no one in the box for him. So, yeah, maybe we need to try this system going forward, but just make sure we have, you know, I don't want to say, no, it was a problem because we won the game, but maybe try this this system going forward a lot more often, but make sure that we have the players that are actually, you know, capable of playing with it. Yeah, you're right. It's, it's not a problem when we win the game, but just watching Fulham this this season, just generally as a general observation, has not been particularly entertaining. It's been it's been pretty tough at times, even though we're we're grinding out win after win after win one nil. But it would just be nice to see more chances. But anyway, we'll we'll come back to that. Well, so I'm going to bring you back in here now. Tim Tim Ream was captain tonight, and I think uh, he must be fourth choice captain behind Kearney, Kmac, and Mitro. He made a bad mistake in the 17th minute when he gave the ball away to Lewis Graben on the halfway line. Graben kind of went through on goal, but got crowded out by by other defenders. How do you think Tim Ream did other than that mistake? It, it was an all right, solid performance, wasn't it? Yeah, he's had, I think, this season and last season, he's not been particularly good. He's certainly not the player he was that one in player of the season uh, in our promotion year. He looked okay at times today, occasionally a little bit sloppy. But I think him and Hector were sort of back to playing the certainly more solid football. I think the second half against Birmingham, they looked better. The first half, they looked pretty terrible. In this game, they looked fairly sound the whole way. That bit of a slip, he thought, you know, he claimed a foul, wasn't a foul. And he sort of kept it together. I don't know how talkative he was as a captain. He certainly wasn't a K-Mac figure, but he was kind of, it seemed quite similar to uh, Kearney in his role. But I think from organisational point of view, he, I, I always find it better to have a centre-back in that role. So I think, you know, he would have taken the captain's armband with pride. And I think he, had, he did a pretty good job. As a centre-back with a voice, do you think Michael Hector is potentially a future Fulham captain? Yeah, for sure. If he stays with us long enough, given our issue with our captain at the moment, and that's the fans' issue, I guess, as opposed to uh, Parker and the hierarchy, I would suggest that we would hope that they would be looking to have a proper captain in place for next season. All fairness to Kearney, he's done a great job. He's a great servant to the club, but he is not a captain. We've said this many times before, and you have to be looking within the team that we have, who is the next person to step up. I don't think Mitro is. I don't like having a striker as a captain. It's, I would suggest being a captain for him, much like in the way it was for TC, would be as a way of keeping him at the club by making him feel important. I think. Ream is probably gone at the end of the season if they don't renew his contract. But Hector looks like he would be the ideal candidate. He's a he's a big bloke. He's big voice. He gets in there when his teammates are in trouble. And I think that's what you need from a captain. The same way as K-Mac does it. But obviously K-Mac's comes at the end of his days. Yeah, I think I'd agree with that. All right. Well, moments after the Tim Ream mistake that we just spoke about, Bobby Reed hit a dipping shot from 25 yards that went narrowly over the crossbar. A rare Bobby Reed shot, and let's face it, the three wins in the three games in Mitro's absence don't owe much to Bobby Reed in the Mitro role, do they, Baldo? No, but I think that's because he plays a different kind of role, and you and you saw saw that today. Again, he was sort of running at defenders, and we don't really see that much comes to when it comes to Mitrovic. You don't see him sort of running at the defenders, and that shot was sort of a, a hint of what was to come as Sky put a stat up. I don't know what the final statistic was, but it was at some stage of the game. We'd had eight shots. One of them was on target. Seven of them came from outside the box. And obviously that is a bit of an interlude into 
our goal. But I'm actually quite happy with that with that sort of stuff. I've said before that I don't like the fact that Tom Kenny has taken that out of his arsenal. The fact that he used to take shots from distance. Now it seems to have gone away. Now that we've seen it been brought back with Joe Bryan in the Birmingham game and Harry Arter today, I, I quite like him. Bobby Reed, I'd like to see him do more as well, as I would the rest of the team. I think even at one point, Michael Hector had a shot from even further out that, that flew even further over the crossbar as well. Yeah, the, le- the less um, said about that, the better. Yeah, I think so. I think so. Let's discuss Harry Arter's tackling before we come on to his goal. I noticed that there were a few occasions today when he went in with the scissor approach. He timed one absolutely perfectly, but there were perhaps a couple of others he might have been in trouble with another referee for on another day. Morgs, was Harry Arter a tad fortunate in the first half not to be booked, do you think? I think that first challenge that he got spot on, it was a very fine line between him getting the ball and him being booked, if not worse, because that was a uh, full-blooded tackle, you'd call it. But he's always like that. It's just his style. He doesn't pull any punches, except when he's trying to punch someone, probably. But he isn't the kind of player to back out of a challenge. We know that. It divides opinion, uh, his style, in inverted commas. but. I think in the first half, yeah, maybe he could have been booked for one of his challenges, but yeah, he was good in, in that half. You know, and I think we're just used to seeing how he tackles now. And I don't think there was any particular malice in any of his challenges. He's just a he's just a bit of a hard bastard when he goes for it. And he was even on his backside when he got the ball for his goal. Talk us through the goal, Morgs. Well, he looked like he was going to lose the ball, but you can say a lot for Arta, but he's persistent and he will fight for the ball. It was because of that, is that, you know, that he managed to get the ball off. I can't remember who the Forest player was, but that persistence gave him that opportunity when it looked like it'd be lost. Would another player in our team been able to do that? I don't think they would. I don't think we have anyone else, maybe Harrison Reed, but we haven't seen anything from Reed to suggest that he can shoot. Whereas Arta's now got two and three and you know, all three goals that we've seen this season from him have been brilliant goals, all, you know, 20, 25 yards out. So I think that's the part of his game that other players should look at and go, actually, that is what we should be doing as well. There is, you know, never say die attitude, trying to get the ball. Yeah. And Baldo, your reaction when when that ball went flying into the top corner? I was, I was sat at the dining room table having something to eat and leapt across the room. It was just in the top corner from the second it left his foot, wasn't it? He did very well to get the ball back. He didn't handball it. Let's just clarify that thing. Um, it hit his rib cage. I think we can classify that. But once he got the ball back, I was screaming for him to pass it to Harrison Reed for him to have a shot. But I'm glad I got that one wrong. Yeah, fantastic strike. And again, go back goes back to what I was saying earlier. So I want to see that happen from happen from all of our players. Don't really like the bloke, but all the while he's scoring goals, I could warm to him. And that was a real proper goal, that one. I mean, even better than the goal he scored against QPR, because the keeper probably should have had that one against QPR. But that one, I don't think the keeper stood any chance whatsoever, because it was kind of curling away from me into the top corner. So, yeah, fantastic stuff. Um, I think that's the thing about Arta, isn't he? Because he's he does rile fans up because of the way he's played for a good portion of this season. It's interesting to see how he's come back in the last few games. He doesn't care what other people are saying about him. He's going out there and he's actually doing a pretty decent job. I mean, even against Birmingham, when he got hauled off after an hour, I thought he was all right. I didn't see the QPR game. The game before that, he was awful. But he's just come back and he's actually putting in a shift and doing exactly what we need to at this part of the season. We've got so many games coming up and we have to grind out the results. And he's doing, you know, he's been a big part of that for the last few games. 
You said at the start there, Morgan, that you don't think he cares what the fans think. There is a little part of me that wants to think that if fans were were in attendance, that he would have given the full Bobby Zamora, uh, what are you saying now, cup deer to the to the fans if if fans are allowed because I th- I think he does he has earned some of the criticism that he's had this year but to be fair to him he has answered the critics fantastically in these past two games I think if he'd have wanted to get that anger out in such a way I totally I wouldn't totally have blamed him what I mean is he will take the abuse but he will his mentality will be I'm a professional footballer don't you dare have a go at me rather than oh I'm hurt by what you're saying about me. It's easy to forget as well, when he first joined Fulham, we've had a long, hard winter, haven't we? And and he was pretty crap at times throughout the winter. But when he first joined the club in the first few games back in August, September, he was was probably our best player for the first five games. And then he kind of was in and out of the team and lost his form. But he's back now and he's in the team on merit. He was the sort of 2019 Jamie O'Hara, wasn't he? He kind of five five man of the matches, give or take, in a row. And he... um... You know, we thought, okay, we've got a decent player on our hands here. Hasn't followed up much, but now when we get to the business end, he seems like he might be doing a job. So hopefully that's not the end of it for him. All right, let's move on to the second half then. There was a lot of uh, kind of stodgy play and we soaked up a lot of pressure, but there weren't really any Nottingham Forest chances and there there weren't really any Fulham chances either. Uh, We made our first substitution on 70 minutes. Anthony Lockhart came on for Niskan's Cabano. Stefan Johansson came on for Harry Arter and we kept the same shape rather than going all out defence, which was progress from, from recent weeks. As the game drew to a close, we soaked up more pressure. But do you think possibly, Baldo, we should have had a penalty with five minutes to go after that handball incident? My first reaction to that was that it would have been a little bit harsh because it was similar to the Dennis Adoy one in the first half. Uh, his arms were sort of by his side, not totally, but still there. So I think it would have been harsh to have given the penalty. But then on second replay, it hits some part of his arm, but then you can see he just taps it slightly with his hand. I think in a VAR world, that probably would have been given, but in a non-VAR world, I'm not going to get overly fussed about that not being given. It was it was touch and go either way, so I'm not particularly fussed. And I probably would have said this even if we'd lost. I think the only thing that made me think that it was a penalty was the way he dragged his arm round and the ball kind of followed it. So he changed the course of the ball. It wasn't like he just he was on the floor and it tapped his arm. He then didn't pick it up but he kind of dragged it around and I thought hang on a minute you're in a position where it was really hard to stop the ball hitting your arm don't then make the ball move with it so I kind of thought if VAR looked at it I would suggest that it probably would have been a penalty it would have probably been a bit harsh but the fact that he actually moved his hand with the ball on it I thought yeah okay that's a penalty. I don't think the guy knew where the ball was and it hit his arm but did he get an advantage from bringing the ball round with his arm? He probably did, yeah. So I think it was probably a penalty, but in the end, it didn't make any difference anyway because we won the game. We switched to Parker's favourite back five as the game drew to a close when Bobby Reed went off for Maxime Lamarchand. But we subsequently spent a fair amount of time in the forest corner as Josh Oliver and Anthony Knockout ran the clock down as we headed into the five minutes of injury time. In all honesty, though, I never really felt like the result was in any doubt and I thought it was... Certainly the most professional performance since the restart, but probably one of the most professional performances of the season, I think. What do you think, Baldo? Yeah, I think professional was the word that Keith Andrews used a lot on Sky Sports. You mentioned that we didn't allow Nottingham Forest many charges. And I wanted to say that when we were talking about the Tim Ream earlier on, is that he didn't really have a 
a big game. He had a bit of a quiet game. That's sort of one of those things you want your centre-backs to have. If you're not noticing them doing it, doing much wrong, then they're having a good game if they you know, avoid the attention. But it's just a case of where's this Fulham team been all season? Where was this Fulham side against uh, Luton, for instance, or against Barnsley twice? It's just the inconsistencies that have been annoying us all season. I think this game is probably one of the better examples of if we can play like this, why aren't we playing like this more often? The most frustrating thing about it as well is that the style kind of lends itself to playing in a more professional manner and to winning games probably more comprehensively than we do because we have we see so much of the ball. So when you're trying to see out a game, it doesn't necessarily make any sense to throw on a load of defenders and sit back and try and absorb it. And I said this after the QPR game as well. Bring on some some players who can keep hold of the ball just further up the pitch just so that us supporters aren't, aren't having a heart attack every five minutes. What do you think, Morgs? I think in these games that we're seeing at the moment, I think defending that 1-0 lead is a slightly better option. We know the championship, the games come pretty regularly. In this current state, games are coming incredibly regularly. And I think if you have a 1-0 lead going to the last 10 minutes, you just defend that. You don't even try and go for the second. Because we had, and you know, Parker would have seen this, coaching team would have seen this, that we had... Forest well and truly controlled in that. It got a little bit sort of hairy towards the end, but that's just because they were throwing the ball forward. What we need to do in these games is get three points. We don't need to worry about goal difference or anything like that at the moment. We get each three points as we go along. Let's not try and make any stupid mistakes by going for that second goal to kill it off. Let's just make sure that we do the job. Bringing five defenders on, absolutely fine in that case. It's not pretty. It's not attractive football. I mean, when they were in the corner, for the last, you know, with five minutes to go, in a normal match, that would probably be seen as slightly, no, just a bit ridiculous, really. In this case, fine, just waste away that time. Don't exert too much energy because you've got another game in three days' time, and you need to be ready for that. And then whatever it is, three days later, there's another game or something. So yeah, perfectly fine with them seeing out one 0 results. If this had been earlier in the season, then possibly not so much. But I think the, our style of play lends us pretty well to these last few games it's just the fact that the first two games after the lockdown were absolutely awful so now that we've kind of got into the flow of it i think we're just doing the job and that's fine something else that i can that i never know and i can never understand is anthony knockart he's come on tonight and he looked absolutely outstanding why isn't he like that every week you look at a player like knockart and when he blows hot he's brilliant when he blows cold he is just a waste of space today he came on and you could tell that he was upset that he wasn't starting he wanted to you know make an impression going forward he was brilliant in the ball kept it well he even had a shot on target which you know wasn't a great shot but at least it wasn't in the stand somewhere and his defensive work again was brilliant and i can't remember who it was against early in the season it might be in villa in the cup game after he'd scored that goal, he then ran back right to the other end of the pitch and tackled the Villa defender. And I think that's what the move that set up Arta's goal. It's that kind of play from him that you don't see enough of, but it doesn't really get talked about what he does because there are not enough flair players, as it were, who go and do that defensive work. And he does that very well when he decides to do it. It's just too inconsistent, isn't it? But when, like you say, when he's hot, he's hot. And that, that was definitely a, an excellent substitution tonight from Scott Parker. And I'm going to come on to Scott Parker now. And I want you guys to be fair tonight because when we lose games or when we don't win games as well as we might have won them, we give Scott Parker a very low rating. But 
kudos where where it's due. I think tonight you've you've got to give the guy credit. So, Aldo, I'm going to come to you first for a Scott Parker rating. I'm going to give him a nine, and I, you know what? No stuff that I'm going to give him a ten because I think he did everything absolutely right the way, the way that it should be done. I wanted to take a mark off for not getting a second goal, but in the grand scheme of things, as Morgan was saying earlier, that's all we really wanted. So I'm going to give him a ten. I'll probably give him a nine. Can't really think of a reason to knock a point off, but I, I, I feel like it was a massive game tonight against Nottingham Forest, who are a place below us. A game which, let's be honest, a lot of us thought we were probably going to lose after the the dour affair that was the the Birmingham game. And it's not just the fact that he made changes to the starting lineup; he had to make changes. Tom Kearney was injured. Mitrovic wasn't available either. Too on their day, our most influential players, and he's made the right choices. And arguably, we dominated the game at times, even though we didn't create opportunities. We kept we kept the ball a lot. We kept the ball well. He made the right changes at the right time. He didn't go all out defence with too early. Yeah, all right. I'm, I'm going to go ten, Baldo. I'm going to agree with you and say a ten. I, I can't I can't fault him tonight. What about you, Morgs? I'm going to give him a nine. I am going to knock off that point. Only reason being that whilst I think the team selection was right and everything about that was fine, the fact that he still didn't have a striker on the bench, if we hadn't have been 1-0 up going into that second half, and you know even if we were losing 1-0, we had no backup in terms of scoring. And it's a risky game to play. I mean, we were very fortunate that we were one and up. Sorry, weren't fortunate, but, you know, given the circumstance, we were one and up. But if Forrest had been leading one and a half time and they're very good at seeing out one nil wins, except for the weekend, we would have needed some extra firepower. And we just didn't have that on the bench. And given the fact that we have nine subs available and we're giving Jasper a place on the bench, why aren't we giving that place to be at Jay Stansfield or Taylor Crossdale or someone, you know, someone who has played up front in the youth team, they may not be ready for first-team football. But when you're chasing a game, you need someone who can do that job. But given the circumstances, we didn't need it. But if the situation had been different, it would have just been a little bit short-sighted. And we'd probably be arguing about that now. I'm not. So I'll give him a nine. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. And your reasons are fair as well. But we've had, what, five games back now? Lost our first two. Lots of people started saying Parker out. He's not up to it. And then he's won the next three. So fair play to him. And away Still at QPR convinced. and away at Nottingham. <laughs> yeah. Well, the proof will be in the pudding at the end of the season, whether we go up or not. But that, that is a, a very good way to answer your critics to come out and win the next three games. All right, let's move on then. Let's let's go on and look at the next home game, which is Cardiff at home on Friday. Fulham. Yep, so on to Cardiff at home on Friday night then. Surely there isn't going to be another Fulham-Cardiff end-of-season showdown again, is there, Morgs? I don't know. They're doing a good, decent job at the moment, given our position in the league. Them sneaking into sixth place could be uh, Fulham-Cardiff at a very soulless Wembley. I think Neil Harris is doing a very good job there. Obviously, when he came in to replace Warnock, you'd look at him and go, well, he's, done, he's done all right with Millwall, but what's he going to do? And he seems to have done a great job up there, or over there. All fairness, they're a hard team to break down. I think the game itself is going to be another tight one. Will we play them in the playoff final? Yeah, I, w- I would take it. I'd rather them than Brentford or West Brom. Well, Brentford won again this evening, didn't they? They've, they've gone and beaten Charlton 2-1 and um, they could well make it automatically at the moment. But anyway, Don't say that, although... don't say that, don't say that. It's, we all it's, know your, your connections to, to Wales, Baldo, so come on, talk yeah. to me about Cardiff. 
Cardiff, it's interesting you saying whether or not we could face them in the playoffs. And if you take a look at their last couple of games, after play, after they play us, they've got to play Derby County, who are currently seventh. So that game's going to have a big say in the playoff race. And then they play Middlesbrough and Hull, who last time I checked were 22nd and 21st or 22nd and 23rd. Either way, they were both right down the bottom, scrapping for relegation. So on paper, you'd probably fancy them for those game for those games, even if one of them is Neil Warnock's Middlesbrough, who will always be tough to buy. But oh, again, Warnock, on paper, Warnock against Cardiff, it's, it's written in the stars, isn't it? Warnock against Cardiff to to beat them. It is absolutely, but yeah, yeah, I wouldn't rule them out for making the playoffs as it stands. If it was Fulham Cardiff at Wembley for the playoff final, how would you feel about that? Fact of the matter is, I would be supporting Fulham, and my grandfather, who which which where this all comes from, he would be supporting Cardiff. That is the end of the matter. I will be supporting Fulham. Let's cut this narrative off right now. All right, mate. Morgs, I'm going to come to you then. So, how do you think we're going to line up? Mitro is going to be back after his suspension, and tonight we seem to look better without Kearney. So, if Kearney's fit, does Kearney play? Um, in a word, no. I think we did look better without him. I think if he is injured. Rushing him back three days later probably isn't wise. If he is, if it was just a little niggle, then I'd put him on the bench. So I would stick with the central three that we had today. I thought they did a great job. And if they're, you know, fit and rowings go, then pick them again in defence. I, I might have Cyrus over Dennis just because he's a bit more attacking. And so obviously it doesn't really matter as much that we're at home in these games now. But I think going forward, he might be more useful Left back, I think you still have to go with Brian, even though he's, you know, suspect. But in uh, the top three, I would take Cavalero out. I would have Mitro in and then possibly replace Cabano with Knockart. Um, I would keep Bobby, uh, yeah, I'd keep Bobby Reading on the right-hand side and then have Knockart on the left. But just to, I think Knockart looked you know, decent enough tonight that he should be starting. He didn't play that many minutes, so he should be fresh as well. So I would go Knockart, Mitro and Bobby Reed up front. Yeah, I'm not going to go into a long convoluted answer like Morgan. I've got to keep mine simple. I think it's just keep things as they are from the same. You don't change a winning formula. However, I would suggest playing exactly the same way that we did today, but with the one change, Mitrovic for Bobby Reed. It goes back to what I was saying earlier. If we keep up that nice play on the wing, Keep it up, get the crosses into the box, let Mitro win the header, and then have Josh Onuma sort of floating around. I would leave Tom Kenny on the bench personally because I'm still not a fan of what he brings to the team. I think Josh Onuma at this stage is probably the better option. Josh Onuma is becoming something of an unsung hero this season, isn't he? He's, he started off being quite unfavourable to a lot of supporters because he was Scott Parker's man and people weren't, weren't sure about Scott Parker. That he's played his way into the team a couple of times now, and again now he's he's played his way into the team, and I, I think he's he's one of the first names on the team sheet. I thought he was excellent against Nottingham Forest, and I definitely have him in the team, have him in the team against against Cardiff on Friday night. Well, he's a strong player, isn't he? And our midfield, Kearney is not strong. If he's anything, he's definitely not strong. And you know, Onuma just brings that. He's he bustles his way through players as well, and he just offers something he's more, slightly he's different. More, he's more agile already. than he looks. He's more agile than yeah. he looks. Quick feet for a big man. He just offers that something a little bit different. So I think you're right. In terms of the team currently, if he's fit, then he should definitely be on the team sheet. All right. And how do you see the game going, Morgs? What, what do you think? How's it going to pan out? I think in a very similar way to what we saw in today's game. I think Cardiff will offer more than Birmingham did. But I think we're going to be looking at containment 
you know, we'll we'll get a goal, hopefully. Well, half time was a good time to get the you know the goal this time around. But I think it's gonna be a pretty hard fought battle. I'm gonna go actually I'm gonna go two one in this game actually. Fulham win, right? Well it'd be a bit shit on a Fulham podcast to say two one card <laughs> well, winter. You never know. You never know. You never know. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm gonna go I'm gonna go two one Fulham win. I think we'll go two 0 up and then they'll snatch a goal at some point. Hopefully in like the ninety fifth minute they'll snatch a goal and It'll just be final whistle time, but all right. How about you, Baldo? How do you see the game going? Yeah, I'm also predicting a very low scoring foul. I think it'll be another 1-0. As Morgan said earlier, at this stage of the season, once you get the 1-0, once you get the first goal, rather, then just shut up shop and hope you could do that. And we've shown tonight that we can do it. So hopefully against the Cardiff City side, who hopefully won't be as much of an attacking threat, uh, we should be able to see that. So I'm going to say 1-0 win for us. I remember going to Wolfsburg away all those years ago in, in the Europa League, drinking throughout the day. And uh, the guy that I was drinking with just said, wouldn't it be nice if we just got a nice early goal? Because do you remember in the in the first leg, it was we were 1-0 up and then 2-0. And then Wolfsburg got one back right at the end and got their away goal. We were like, Why don't, wouldn't it be lovely if we just got our away goal nice and early? And we did. So wouldn't it be nice this time if we just got a nice early goal? Settle the nerves down in the first couple of minutes and then, you know, we can just add to it midway through the first half and just have a nice, easy keep ball session in the second half just, just to play it out. Obviously, it's not going to go like that, but it would be it would be so nice. How much were you drinking that day, Phil Claire? Because we discussed this, the fact that I was about five seats away from you that day and you didn't recognise me. Well, I wouldn't have recognised you because it was about 10 years before I met you. <laughs> I didn't know you. Okay, the fact that you had... The fact that you've had the picture of that game with you on your wall for all that long, and you must have walked past it a hundred times, and you haven't seen me in the picture. You can't deny it's a unique-looking fellow as well. I know. I've got a um, a collage of all the tickets and some of the pictures from the uh, the Europa run on on my wall, and I've got a picture. um, I don't know where it came from actually, but there's a picture of the crowd in which I'm in, and yeah, Baldo sat literally just three or four seats to my left behind me. I got the Fulham flyer out there and uh, I think we flew, is it, is it Hanover we flew to? I don't know if, if that's anywhere near. I think it, it was somewhere beginning with H. I, I feel like it was Hanover. And we landed about nine o'clock in the morning and they just uh, they just dropped us in Hanover Town Centre for a few hours and then we got a coach down to, to Wolfsburg later on in the day. And it was, it was a very boozy day anyway. So even if we had known each other, there's a strong possibility I wouldn't have recognised you anyway. But my point stands that were we to get an early goal on Saturday, then that would just be perfect. And it wasn't so long ago as well when we were talking about Mitrovic saying that could he get 30 goals this season and he's been stuck on the same number for for a long time now he hasn't scored in a few games I think he's going to score a couple before the end of the season let's hope that if we don't go up automatically he'll, he'll get a couple in the playoffs and take us to Wembley again sounds good all right I, I think that's it everybody to be honest thanks for joining me lads and thanks to you all for listening at home Baldo and I will be back at the weekend and I think young Will Oakley the full and focused nutrition expert will be with us too all things being equal, and I'll see you then. Cheers.